Hi, and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. We're excited you're here with us to talk all things books and reading. We are two friends brought together by our love of reading. I'm Diane and adore my beach life in Charleston, South Carolina with my family and dogs. Reading has been a pleasure my whole life. I read to travel when I cannot leave home, to escape when life gets to be too much, to learn even when I'm not in school anymore, and to make new friends on the pages of stories and by talking to those who share my passion. And I'm Mary, a northerner living in the frozen tundra of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been an avid reader for as long as I can remember and make a point to read every day while still balancing the challenges of work and life. My ideal is to be curled up by the fire with the dog on my lap, a glass of wine on the end table, and a good book in my hands. We would be most grateful if you would rate and review our podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thank you so much and happy reading. Hello and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. I'm Mary. And I'm Diane. And we are two friends separated by distance, but connected by a love of books. Hi, Diane. How are you today? I'm great. Mary, how are you guys doing? Uh, we're good. It's Weather is still kind of crazy in Wisconsin, but summer's coming. I know it's coming. Well, it hit here this morning. <laughs> yeah. So we had been talking about how lovely it is. Like we've been really sitting outside on the back porch at yeah. night and enjoying bug-free, humidity-free days. And um, this morning I took, Kiki started a new job at the Bagel Ooh. Cafe. Okay. And so I had to take, she had to be there at 7 a.m. Ooh. And at 6.50, when we left the house, it was 81 degrees. <laughs> oh. And like 98% humidity. So we ate dinner outside last night, tonight, and this was probably the last night we'll eat outside until November. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's, it was like, it was 55 here today and rainy and cold, but mm. it's slowly warming up. We see, we're going to see 80s, I think, in like a week. They just canceled, actually. Um, so all the little regional booksellers, the um, ABA is the American, Associ American Booksellers Association, and they have regional groups. My regional is called SEBA, the Southern Independent Booksellers Association, and they just canceled our um, big annual conference, which was supposed to be in New Orleans in September, but they're going to do it. I shouldn't say canceled. They reorganized it so it will be all online, but no one is uh, traveling to. But who, you you want to go to New Orleans? <laughs> I know. Well, it was in New Orleans three years ago, and I did go. Yeah. Um, and it was great. New Orleans was super fun, and some of our other bookish besties met me down mm -hmm. there, and it was it was a good trip. And then um, two years ago, we went to Tampa, and some other girls came with me. Mm -hmm. So it will be sad to miss it because you also get like hundreds and hundreds of. Um, advanced reader copy books. So I love that part of it. <laughs> so it's now we've talked about SIBA, you know, in the past personally, when we're like right. just chatting and we talk about SIBA, we haven't talked about it on the podcast very much. So can you tell us a little bit what that event is usually like? Sure. It's, I'm pretty sure it's three days. So we come in like on a Wednesday night and they always have, well, there used to be two big, um, wholesale distributors that booksellers would buy from. It was Ingram and Baker and Taylor. Just this past year, Baker and Taylor has gone to only doing um, educational 
and libraries. So they're not selling to booksellers anymore. But those two um, organizations made a lot of money from selling books to independent bookstores. So they would also do a lot of tours, you know, they would take rent a bus and we would go around to see the indie bookstores in the town where the conference was and they would treat us to dinner and all these kind of nice and fancy things. So I don't know what that's going to look like now that there's only one, Ingram is the only one left. But then there's a lot of, so then that was Wednesday night and then Thursday um, at each meal, it's a author round table kind of. So somebody gives a speech or authors sit at the tables with you and they give a little elevator speech about the books that they have upcoming, which is a fun way to, you know, and then you get all copies of all those books. Mm -hmm. And then there are little breakout sessions where you can learn, you know, learn how to use some of the internet things that, you know, how to keep your inventory better or how to improve sales, that kind of stuff. And then um, another meal, then, you know, the sure. last day, all day on Friday, it's, um, they open this huge ballroom and all these publishers, big, the big five and then tiny little independents come and bring copies of their books and um, they give them away for free. <laughs> and so it's oh a really heaven. kind of exciting <laughs> and fun way. And what they're doing is they're trying to match up their books with your shop, you know, and, or mm -hmm. with your podcast or with your you know, right. blog or whatever. And so um, it is an industry only. You have to be a member of the American Booksellers Association, the ABA, which is the parent right. group of the, you know, the smaller groups. Um, and it's not, the conference itself isn't free either. We have to pay for the hotel and stuff. Um, and then you do pay for the special meals with the authors, but mm -hmm. I would pay to eat anyway. You know, it's, it's not more right. than normally. And it is a really fun event. It's a great way to meet, you know, I have friends that are indie booksellers in Charlotte, North Carolina, or in Asheville, or in Athens, Georgia, or, you know, in, in Thomasville, Georgia, you don't get to see them all that much because when you own a small business, you're really busy and you don't take a lot of vacations. So this is a time that all the booksellers can get together and you just learn a lot from each other too. Right. Yeah, it really is. The publishers are really just trying to match their books mm -hmm. to people who are going to hand sell them, whether that's on the podcast, how we talk about, you know, oh, this is a great book. You'd love it if you love this um, or hand sell it on the floor of their bookstore. Right. Right. But it's just, it's just fun. And you, you, no matter how many books they have published, these authors write so that readers read their words, you know, and they care about people reading and, and getting to know about their books. So it is, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Wow. Well, it is on my bucket list to try and go. I was hoping that I would be able to go down for, um, for New Orleans this year, but I did not hear that it got canceled. So that's, yes. And it just, I just got that email this week. And I, so BookCon, which is in New York over Memorial Day weekend mm -hmm. every year, that is open to the public. That got canceled. That's canceled. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's just the times we live in, unfortunately. But that's okay because there's lots of good books out there for us to read in the meantime. So, so many good books. <laughs> Did you hit any good ones this past week, Mary? Uh, well, I finished up. Uh, let's see. What did I finish up? I finished up When We Left Cuba. So that one by Chanel Clayton. So I got that one. And then I also, well, I started the Dutch house 
And, you know, based off our conversation last week, you know, I was thinking, gosh, I got to start reading. I've been reading a lot of like lighter stuff, you know, with the, with the pandemic. And I decided, okay, I'm just going to read something a little bit more. I I don't want to say highbrow. It's more challenging um, or something just a little bit that's going to make you think a little bit more, but I wanted to read a very good book and I've heard rave reviews about the Dutch house and, and the, uh, the recording, but I just can't get into it. And it's not that it's bad. It's just might not be the right time because it's still heavy, heavy literature. So, you know, I think that I truly have lost track of, I don't know, are we week 11? Of course. Yeah, week 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know where we are, but I, I mean, I feel like we've been saying this the whole time, but I don't think it can be understated that it is really hard to focus right now. Like yeah. it's hard to concentrate on things. And I think that that is okay. I would suggest maybe if you have the option, Tom Hanks narrates the story and it's the audio is so good. If you could get it from your library for free on yeah. overdrive or something, mm-hmm. it is worth, um, that might be a way that you can, it's cause it's like somebody's telling you a story. So it's, it's a different part of your brain that has to focus on it. Right. And it's really, it's one of my, it's probably one of my top five books in narration mm-hmm. just because Tom Hanks just knocked it out of the park. I, um, I have scribed and I think it's on scribed. So okay. Listen yeah. to that. Scribed is that, uh, it's kind of like audible, but it's not, it's cheaper than audible. Um, I want to say, and it's unlimited. It's different. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know what they're, how, I mean, it, it's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it's great. And I'm, we're not getting paid by scribed or anything like that. So, um, obviously cause I'm speaking so articulately about that, but subscribe <laughs> if you would like to pay us, yes, <laughs> if you would, I will, you know, I will put on my radio voice for you. <laughs> Libro FM is another, um, yep. mm-hmm. one that's linked to independent bookstores. So if you buy an yep. audible, audible book, I guess we shouldn't even say audible book because that is another an audio book, an audio book. Mm-hmm. Um, then your independent bookseller gets some of a kickback from that. Right. It's Libro FM. FM. Yeah. And they, they have just as big of a selection, you know. Right. What are you reading or what did you read this week? So I had a really, I feel like I say this every time, but I had a really good reading week. I, um, the water dancer by Ta-Nehisi oh, Coates has been on my list yeah. and on my nightstand for eight months. I don't even know if it's been out that long, six months. It's been on my nice hand for a long time. It was phenomenal mm-hmm. and required a lot of concentration. I had to, I had to work at it. Um, and it's not because the story wasn't stellar. Um, but once I started it, I really did get into it. I got immersed, but, but it was hard to stick with it just because I had to concentrate. There were a lot of characters names and it, but it was, strongly recommend. Mm-hmm. Maybe wait till fall though. Honestly, I don't know what the world's going to look like in the fall, but it's definitely one to put on your list. And, um, and one that we're going to discuss later, I'm not going to go into detail because we are going to have this author on, um, Kelly Harms wrote a book called the bright side of going dark and it was phenomenal and super fun. And I enjoyed that. And we are going to talk to her very soon. So I won't go into that. 
I had, I read a backlist of Taylor Jenkins Reid just because I loved Daisy Jones and the six so much. Yeah. Which one? The seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Okay. It was really good. It was really yeah. good. Um, I was talking to Lily, my daughter about it. She read it. She read Daisy Jones and then she read, um, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo with me. She actually read it in like 12 hours. She came downstairs. She started at three o'clock in the afternoon and came down at like 9 PM. We were floating in the pool reading. She came down at nine. She's like, mama, I finished that book. Do you have anything else? I'm like, okay, Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have, like I have that on my Kindle. I own that book. I have not read it, but I did read, um, so she had some other books previous. So she switched genres. Yes. So she moved into a little bit more of the um, higher lit with Daisy Jones and Evelyn Hugo. But before that, she was more of a woman's fiction chiclet. And I say that with air quotes, chiclet yeah. writer. So um, I read one of her books. Um, I think it was called Once in a Lifetime. Was that her? I have not read that one. That's the one. Oh no, it's one true loves is what it's called. Okay. That's, that's the book. Um, and it is about a woman who is married to a man and the man goes missing, um, and is declared dead. So she moves on with her life. She moves back home. She gets engaged to another man and then her first husband reappears. Wow. So it's like cast away, you know? Yeah. In a way. So, and that was like the other, like she kind of would take, I, I don't want to like pigeonhole her, but you know, like she would take a movie like promise, like she did a sliding doors type movie too. Um, she did cast away. And I think she has one other one that I haven't read, but um, yeah, that was the, that was the book. It was, it was good, you know, for, um, it, it was good for that time when I was kind of like looking for something a little bit more light, but a little bit of tension, you know, you didn't really know what, what was going to happen and who she was yeah. going to choose. So, well, the, the last one that I read that I wanted, it doesn't come out until July, but it's so good. So we, this could be a whole genre that we talk about, Mary books about books. Oh. I love books about books. And mm -hmm. this one it's by Susan Wiggs and it's called the lost and found bookshop. Oh my gosh. It is so, huh. so lovely. It's so lovely. It's mm -hmm. very reminiscent of You've Got Mail. Um, and so far as the mother daughter dynamic and, um, and the, and trying to save the bookshop, this isn't the bookshop around the corner. It's the lost and found bookshop, but it's, um, it's great. I, I like a five star highly recommend as a, as a um, summary, huh. the lost and found bookshop. And it, I think it's seven July that that one comes out. Okay. Okay. I will have to, I'll have to check that one out. I love books about books. So today we were going to talk about women's fiction uh, as one of our genres and, you know, just kind of, this is a very broad genre, women's fiction. And, and basically if we had to put it in a nutshell, it's books that are marketed towards women about women and their journey and whatever that journey is. So there's Christian women's fiction. There is divorce women's fiction. There is, I Spark. bought a farm <laughs> women's fiction. <laughs> I, I don't know about that last one. It seems like there, yeah. but um, it's a very broad topic. 
Don't you think so, Diane? I do. And you know, I was so I was just doing some research on women's fiction, like as that was my keyword for my search. And um, there's a lot of good information and there's a lot of, you know, how it's kind of a, a mega genre. And then within it, there's a lot of breakdown about, you know, anything with a woman in it could be women's fiction. And if it's fiction, it can be historical fiction or romance or whatever. Right. But then I went down this little rabbit hole, which I didn't mean to go down to, of women's fiction versus chiclet. Hmm. And um, I know when I talked to Mary Kay Andrews, we spoke about beach reads. Again, I'm using the air quotes now, beach reads. And, and her perspective on that was, you know, if that's what they want to call me, but they read my books, I don't really care. Sure. And I, and I think that that's a pretty common theme with beach reads. You know, she happens to come out in early summer, late spring. So people are getting ready for vacation. They throw the book in the book bag, what or in the beach bag. Chicklet, um, some authors feel very strongly that this is derogatory and that it's kind of a way um, Marion Keyes, who writes women's fiction mm-hmm. and writes for women, um, she's an Irish author actually, but she's published widely in the United States as well, you know, thinks it's kind of patriarchal and a way to keep, to pay women less in publishing, which historically and presently women do get paid less for their books than men get paid for their books. Um, but my take on it kind of is, I, I don't know that there's not room on my bookshelves for all kinds of books. And you know, sometimes I like at this time, especially in the world, we're under a lot of stress. There is nothing wrong with a book that's hot pink on the front with a pocketbook or with a right. girl with a beach hat on, or a straw hat on. Or, and there's also room for heavier books. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel the, the same kind of gravitas towards the words, having that much power over what they're called. I am not an author and I have not spent hundreds of hours with my butt in a chair writing books either. So I understand that Marion Keys can have a different perspective and hers is probably much more valid than mine. Right. But, but I think it's okay to have lighter books and heavier books. I don't have a problem with, and I read them all. I read them both kinds. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you know, with, when we talk about chiclet, I think a lot of people stereotype it as a type of romance, right? You know, so there are books out there that are deemed chiclet that, you know, are maybe a little bit more than that. Maybe they're a thriller, you know, that has a female lead, you know, so it can be put into that category. So I I can see to some extent how some authors would feel that way. Um, but I, I think I agree with you. I, it, for me, and I, I mean, I can't obviously speak for everybody, but for me, if the book is good, if it's well-written, it doesn't matter what category it falls into. Right. You know, you can, you can write a romance and it can be phenomenal. You can write a, um, a, a, law, a law thriller. You can be the next John Grisham, you know. That lawyer guy. Yeah, Right. <laughs> Yeah. So the lawyer guy, (laughs) um, but there, there is a, there's room for everybody, 
you know, in, when you think about it in the book world and it's really how you connect with your readers, um, that I think is like the important part of it rather than being pigeonholed. Now I can see how sometimes if you're put into a category that may not be representative of you, or if it, your book is similar to say maybe a man's book and you're put in women's fiction and he's put in thrillers, I can see that. Right. Um, I can, I can see that frustration because it does change how your book is marketed. It does change how people are searching for your books, right? Uh, you know, or Googling for them. So I think there is a, I see where authors are coming from. I think as a reader, um, to me, I care about the writing. I care about the story. Yeah. And if your book is good, it's going to get out. People are going to talk about it. Yeah, there's a great site and I just found it. It's called wowwomenonwriting.com. Mm -hmm. And I will post this picture because it's a really interesting take. So th they say the difference between women's fiction and chiclet, they say blame it on the book cover. So women's fiction, this cover says women's fiction, a literary novel by a serious author. And then the chiclet one has a skinny girl walking her dog with a cupcake. And it says chiclet, a fun novel by a bubbly author. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, um, again, sometimes you want a steak and sometimes you want a piece of key lime pie. It's okay. It's okay to want both those things. We had key lime pie tonight for dinner. So that wasn't our only dinner. It was our dessert, dessert after dinner. <laughs> say, was that your whole dinner? <laughs> no, no, it was not. We, we had, we had normal food. Um, it's just kind of funny that you mentioned it, but I think, you know, one, so here, here's an example for people that might not be following this. My mother I've mentioned before is in a mystery book, uh, book club. And every month, you know, uh, somebody's assigned a book that they have to recommend. And the one requirement is that there has to be a murder. So I'll, yeah, that's the only requirement. The book has to have a murder in it. So I was talking with my mom and she was like, Oh, what book should I you know, what book. And at that time I had just listened to big little lies mm -hmm. on, on audio. And it was phenomenal. I said, mom, if you're looking for a book that has murder, you know, let's big little lies has a murder. It's a mystery. We don't know how this guy died yeah. or who died. You know, we, right, didn't, right, we right. didn't know who it was. And so that was the book that she put up for her group. Now the group was like, well, it wasn't really a murder mystery. I'm like, Yes, it was. It was just Broaden wasn't your thinking, ladies. <laughs> yeah. It just wasn't in the traditional way that a murder mystery occurs. Right. You know, it was very it was done so differently. But a lot of time that book gets put into women's lit. I see it as a murder mystery. So. You know, it's funny. I think and Mary, I didn't even think about this until you and I are just now talking, but um Two years ago, when you were in Charleston, I remember one of my girls was very bent out of shape about how the Dewey Decimal System categorizes. Mm -hmm. So if a book is written about Abraham Lincoln, it's put in American history. But if a book is written about a, a contemporary of his who happens to be an African-American male, it'll be put in Black history or like in a category that isn't so searched or isn't in the circulation, isn't so checked out, you know, and it affects the, the collection of books that a library has or a bookstore has where mm -hmm. you categorize, where you file these books. 
affects how many people buy them because it oh. affects how many people see them. Absolutely. Like when I walk into Barnes and Noble, you know, not that I can walk into it right now, but when, when I could, you know, I would go to the fiction section, yep. you know, and I would browse the books. There'd be like new fiction and there was always a women's fiction section, but I never walked over there because I don't know, it just never was the one that I wanted to go to. So, yeah. Yeah. It is interesting how marketing, how the marketing of all things, right. Mm -hmm. And books aren't any different, but um, I definitely support women authors. Oh, absolutely. So that means, but not exclusively. I read men too. Um, but I think if that means that I prefer women's fiction, then I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think I like books that I can identify with. And so I am a woman. And so I tend to identify with, and I'm a mom and I'm a wife and, you know, and a lot of that is fodder for the, the topics of women's fiction books. Mm -hmm. so I like yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, when I think of a woman's fiction books, if I had to think of a woman's fiction book, like the quintessential one. It's not really even the quintessential woman's fiction book. And it's uh, Maria Semple's Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Bernadette. Mm -hmm. um, and this see, is, I would think that's chiclet. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I think because the character is so subversive. Mm -hmm. Like she's okay. like, whatever, right. I hate this life. She's, and she just takes off. I mean, I, I find that to be kind of the, she's going against the tropes of women's lit. True. But when you look at the cover. See, that's it. Blame it on the yeah. cover. Yeah. Blame the cover people. It's not written. Like, like if you look at the cover of Where'd You Go Bernadette and look at the cover of Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. Oh yeah. If you do not open them or read one word, you can tell they're different. They're marketed to different people. It's a different kind of book. Yeah. Yeah. And so many covers are now following that. Like a lot of people bought Where'd You Go Bernadette because of that cover. Yes. I mean, that really ushered in this new, I mean, I bought it because of the cover, but it yep. ushered in a new cover art. We'll have to talk about cover art and marketing books in a later episode, but yeah, Where'd You Go Bernadette? And now you see all of these other books out there that have the same- Copycat-ish. Yep. Same style. Yeah. Royal One thing that I love. Yep. Yep. The, um, Jamie Brenner, and I will have to ask her who her cover design is. I, it's the same person, but I just lined up four of her summer books from four years, you know, mm -hmm. four years in a row. And I just love a publisher who stays consistent Her the spine of all her books. First of all, they're the same size. The spines right. all have stripes, different color stripes. The, the title is all written long way and it's the same spacing and font on every book. That just makes me so happy because when I have several authors that are, are one author with several books lined up on my bookcases and they're all cattywampshop, it makes me so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should ask, you should ask Jamie, you know, who does her cover art because I, I think that makes a really big difference on yes. whether a book is categorized and where it's categorized. So they know as a, as a more established author, they have more voice in that. But when you're a young mm -hmm. author, like titles get changed. Names oh yeah. Get changed covers. 
are decided against without your permission, really. So it's yeah. interesting to see as as authors get more well known and more popular, um, how the cover art changes kind of as their careers right. take off. They have it, it becomes more personal to them versus just what the publisher sends out. Yeah, I know. I remember listening. I went to a um, Jocelyn Jackson. We were. I don't know if you were there, but we were both like, I was, I don't know if you were there, but I was listening to her at like a, a webinar of some, and we were talking about one of her books that came out a few years ago. It was called the almost sisters. And you know, the, the title kind of made sense for the book, but not quite. I agree. And that was a question. And she said, you know, it, the, the publisher picked it and she is established you know, she has lots of books out there. So it was kind of, it's kind of surprising when you heard that. But. You know, it's, it's funny how much there's, you know, the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover, but mm -hmm. who doesn't? Like oh, I, yeah. I mean, maybe not in the more global sense. Like I hope I don't judge people by their outfits or whatever, but, but I totally judge a book by its cover. Yeah, I do too. I, I mean, I am more likely if something has a pretty cover. I mean, we talk about not, not so much on this podcast, but we talk about pretty covers all the time. People collect books based on the cover. You oh, know, yeah. Yeah. So I think I have honest to goodness, nine copies of little women because every time I see a more beautiful cover, I'm like, Oh, I must have this. Yeah. And I, I enjoy it for the art. Yeah, let's let's add that to our list of things. Cover art needs to be a whole. We need to find a cover artist to come on the podcast. And that would we can be great. That. Because I bet that's such an interesting job. And, and and you have a lot of power. Like the sales of a book are tied to how appealing to to the demographic mm -hmm. that you're marketing for the book is. Oh, I like that. We're going to talk more about this, people. All right. Well, as much as I'd love to talk about women's fiction on and on and on, um, and you know, there's no like, oh, uh, this might be getting a little political. I, and I know what you're going to say. Uh, go for it. I mean, we're becoming really in this world where gender is more fluid. So yeah. I don't know. And there's no know. men's fiction. There is no that's men's just fiction. fiction. Like, so we have to divide. Yeah. I don't know. I understand why we have to shelve books in a certain way, but I think a book is a book is a book. And no matter what kind of a reader you are, or no matter what gender you are, there's a book for you out there. Yeah. All right. All right, Mary. Well, we have hit on a lot of yeah. topics <laughs> today, but um, we hope everyone is staying safe and well and slowly emerging from home if that's the right thing for y'all to do. Mm -hmm. But um, while you're home, keep reading. And Mary and I love spending time with you. If you get a chance, um, listen to the podcast, listen to the back episodes. There's lots of great author interviews that we've already done and some more coming up. So that's all for us. Happy reading, Mary. Happy reading, Diane. Thank you for joining us in talking about all things bookish. We will see you next time.